0: Hello, good evening. Welcome back across the pond. We are back here after a one week break. Uh, This time, not my fault. Uh, This time because Barry uh, was very busy. How's your week break been, Barry? And, And how are you doing today, bro?
1: Chad has been a bit insane, to be honest, like I was saying to you on WhatsApp. Uh, the business is going really well, but it's also consuming my entire life. And so <laughs> I feel like I've been working crazy hours the last week or so. Today felt like the first day where I could see the light again, so that was good. So I'm feeling a lot more positive. Nice. But it was a bit of a brutal week, Chad. Not much sleep was happening. <laughs> How
0: about your side? Oh, no, good, good. I've been working on the sleep, actually, because uh, I, I upgraded the watch. Um, so I got the Garmin, the Phoenix 6 now. And it's got something called the body battery. Uh, which is a new okay. metric that I didn't have before. So I've been having a lot of fun with that uh, for a while. I, I haven't been tracking my sleep, uh, but since getting this upgrade, I've been tracking the sleep and been focusing on getting it back up to eight hours, which I've been falling way behind uh, f- for a while. <laughs> so now that I've got this little body battery, uh, battery metric to uh, keep an eye on, I've definitely been been focusing on it. So so all good, but yeah, I've been, been pretty busy as well. Um, but But yeah, I mean, I guess, time just goes by and weeks weeks roll on, uh, you know, we just keep doing what we do.
1: Exactly. Before we get off the sleep chat, isn't it a bit big to wear in bed like when you go to sleep, aren't you scared you're going to knock, knock yourself out in, in the middle of your sleep?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, to be honest, I actually felt like that before, um, but, but I've been I've, I've been able to get used to it again. Uh, this one is yeah. slightly lighter, you know, than, than the previous one, so it's, it's not a, a crazy... Uh, it is a bit bulky, but slightly lighter, and, you know, luckily, there's no hard, solid objects in the bedroom, so uh, <laughs> it's, it's fairly safe, it's fairly safe, and, uh, yeah, all those stats and the body battery makes it all worthwhile, Barry.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I've been thinking of like I also tried to use Apple Watch for a while in bed and I just got annoyed with it sometimes. So maybe okay. I am maybe I try again and see <laughs> if I can can get it right because I, I wanted to track it really well but then I just was annoyed that wear watch while I was in bed.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it goes back to the age old debate of, of having all this data and it depends what you do with the data. If you're not like exactly. actually sitting down to analyze it once a month, which I've definitely fallen very short of, <laughs> uh, there's no point. There's no point in collecting all the data. So, you know, it is a bit of a, a bit of a way up uh, from that point of view. But Barry, we've got tons to talk about today. Uh, and yeah, I apologize for that very loud jingle. We're getting back into things. Um, shall we get into it? I think so, Chad. Let's dive into episode 83. The week that was. The week that was after I played the wrong jingle we'll fix that in the uh, you know post version Uh, but the week that was Barry we obviously talking about the last two weeks and uh, we can't call this a kind of cross-continental podcast if we don't cover the Lions Springboks uh, test series that is on the go at the moment Uh, I mean before we leap into it you've been enjoying seeing the booker on the field again?
1: it's been so good chad it's reminded us that things feel like okay cool the Springboks are playing maybe the world is getting towards a better place and of course we haven't seen them in a long time chad probably since they won that world cup in that famous famous victory over the pommies and so it's been really exciting to see them out again things are still a bit rusty when you watch them play but it's like oh you can see the guys haven't played for a while um but very lucky to see and nice to have those saturday those rugby games with some friends Mm. with some family enjoying the the brine whatnot Uh, it's always good
0: yeah definitely is uh i've thoroughly enjoyed having them back um and i couldn't believe how long it's how long it's been i mean obviously not ideal that there's no one in the stadiums um but but you know always good to see see the guys on the field again um obviously whenever you know people take to a field there's naturally going to be some kind of politics behind it um and you know we've obviously watched the first two games of the test series as we're recording this it's the 4th of august um so you know we know that now we're you know it's a level field and and we got all to play for next week, which is going to be a a great game. Even for those of you who don't watch rugby, I'd recommend tuning in. It's going to be a big game. Um, But, you know, after watching that first game, I mean, mean, while I watched it, I I did feel like some of the calls were a little bit off. Um, But I kind of got over it really, really quickly. Uh, And then naturally with the equalizer in the second, uh, you know, I kind of had forgotten all about it. Um, And, you know, in the press, it's been hard to miss the... Tidal wave uh, that's come on the back of this mysterious video that uh, was released by Rassi Erasmus. (laughs) Now, before I go into my thoughts on it, Barry, uh, I mean, you've obviously seen and heard lots about this on your side. Um, I mean, have you been able to watch this video?
1: So I haven't watched it in its entirety, Chad, because it's crazy long. I think it's over an hour as far as I understand. But I've seen plenty of clips that have been going viral. So I've I've seen pieces of it, but probably just enough to be dangerous, Chad. I'm hoping you can fill me in on some of the (laughs) details because I'm not sure I've got the whole picture. So run us through what this video was all about and then take us through your thoughts.
0: Absolutely. So for those of you who are not into uh, rugby, Russi Erasmus is currently the SARU, so that's the South African Rugby Union, uh, Director of Rugby. And he was the coach uh, when we were at the World Cup. Um, but obviously, you know, he, he has a very high position as things stand at the moment. Um, and it's been quite controversial that through the series, um, even though he is director of rugby, he has doubled up as our water boy, um, which, which I've thoroughly enjoyed seeing. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it certainly is uh, one of those kind of decisions that, that seems to be, I mean, it's a gray area so it, it certainly is you know permitted in accordance to the rules uh but you know Outright, it would seem the wrong kind of side of, of gray. Um, so in any case, uh, like you say, Barry, he released the video, which is over now. It's 62 minutes long. Um, and just because of everything I had seen of other people talking about it, obviously the press in the UK uh, coming from all sorts of angles, you can imagine the angles that the UK press would be coming <laughs> at it from, um, I had to go and give it a watch, uh, just, to, just to kind of give it a, a, a bit of a, an assessment for, for myself. And I would recommend if you are gonna watch it, like you say, Barry, it's it's dangerous to seeing clips. I would recommend watching the whole thing because he spends probably the first ten to fifteen minutes setting out the context uh, for for you know what why he's doing this video. Uh, and you kind of get the feeling that uh, the video was initially gonna go to some like referee officials and then you know, possibly go further. He kind of mentions Supersport, uh, potentially releasing it to Supersport. And so what, what you've seen is, uh, you know, it gets to the end of this thing, and obviously it somehow then lands its way onto... You know, it gets leaked, uh, lands its way onto Vimeo, I believe. Um, And and there's, you know, something else I wanted to address uh, a little bit later on. But effectively, it was leaked to the the public um, and ultimately this hour-long video of him effectively ranting about the first game. Um, and and obviously touching various different elements, um, so so this obviously relates to the first game as I said. Uh, I mean this series Barry, as you know, happens once in in twelve years, which he he addresses in the context. Um, so you know, I guess I guess kind of defending why he's putting out this video, uh, and and kind of saying that you know it is an important uh, you know test series, and if there was some. Um, you know some not not so great decisions Uh, the reason he wants to to talk about it is because of the fact that the series is so important Um, he he basically actually uh, so of, of those little splits clips that you've seen Barry I'm sure a lot of them involve hard Clips of like replays of the game, uh, where you know certain elements are, are circled uh, just to show you exactly what he's referring to, and, and it it's, it it comes across more like evidence than uh, you know him just kind of talking offhand about about stuff. And effectively, he, he summarises some some controversial refereeing decisions of which Barry there are more than twenty five. Um, I, I think that's crazy. Obviously, as we watch the game, you know you you kind of. You know, at the back of your head, as a, as a non uh, rugby professional, just as a spectator, you, you you could think of one or two of those that, that would land up in the video like this. Uh, but it goes it goes far deeper, and, and it almost like unveiled another level of the game that I've I've not really thought about before, which I found I found fascinating. Um, and 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 beyond that, as as I as I watched and and you know got further and further in the video, my blood just started boiling. Honestly, uh, I, I just became furious, like like really angry, um, because of how clear some of these uh, decisions were—the wrong decisions, um, you know—the timing of which some of these decisions were made, um, you know, with the proximity of, of the end of the game and the score line at that point in time. I think there were two points in it, um, and and a couple of penalties that, that the Springboks should have been awarded, um, according to you know technical uh, rugby you know decisions. And then a lot of these decisions involving player safety, uh, this obviously incredibly important. I mean, rugby is such a dangerous sport. Uh, you know, you can't just go around tackling players in the air. You can't pick players up, um, you know, with their feet crossing the horizontal line and dive them into the ground. Uh, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of things you, you just simply can't do. If a player is lying down on the floor because he thinks he is really badly injured, uh, you know, neck injury or something like that, you can't just rip him... Uh, you know, by his shirt and, and pull him up uh, straight away. And, uh, you know, that's just such an unsafe uh, thing to do. So uh, a lot of these things that, that kind of hit to, you know, the safety elements of, of the sport. And and obviously, you know, there are repercussions there. You should be, you you know, there should be cards taken for, for these kind of moves. There's a reason we've got red and, and yellow cards. Um, and so, you know, the, the outcome could have been so different. Um, but, but I just feel like... With the volume of of uh, evidence if you'd like uh, that he's presented in this video I felt I felt really quite angry and, and and almost felt like you know this wasn't quite the the fair game from from the refing team um, even when you you know some of the some of the other things that he that he addressed Barry uh, sh- shall we pause and, and just talk about some of it or shall I load it all on <laughs> and uh, and we, we kind of tackle one by one
1: let me just respond to what you've said so <laughs> far just to set some more context yeah. um, I think that th- the feeling that you had of this anger and this frustration is exactly what the whole of South Africa felt. Yep. Um, right after the game there was this there was this feeling that We weren't treated fairly, and that the refereeing was very one sided in one way. And it's not to say the Springboks didn't have some terrible tackles of their own, right? It it was very much the inconsistency with which these tackles were punished, and some of the big things that they were missed, like you said. Um, And so the the mood in the country was very much, very, very frustrated because, like you said, this is a big deal, and we haven't had sport, South African sport, for so long. So it's even bigger than it usually is because we haven't had anything else to share about, right? We've had very, very little uh, happening in the Olympics and whatnot from South African perspective so this series is massive Um, but the other side of the coin of course is that you sometimes wonder like is it complaining for the sake of complaining? And me as like a rug, and If someone doesn't understand rugby. It's hard to understand. Like, cool. How bad is this really yeah. compared to what it is normally, right? And if the Lions were to put together a perfectly um, clipped kind of one-hour session, what could they have on the Springboks that kind of comes into what this rugby game is all about? Yeah. So I think it's, it's that initial reaction of anger is very, very like common, and I think it's 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 natural and understood. But I don't and I don't know how how bad it really is. You know. you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't have the context when it comes to rugby to understand exactly what a normal match is like compared to someone breaking it down like that.
0: Yeah, completely, completely understand that. Um, and, you know, myself enjoy rugby but i you know i don't study it and i have i've never read the rule book uh, per se um but you know i, I guess it, i guess it's the tone that he uses um you know all, all of that kind of thing and um, you know it, it's that consistency so where he pulls up actual physical examples of something that happened uh, in in one case and then when you when you see it weighed against uh, the spring box differently um you know you, you certainly have a double standard kind of uh, scenario there uh, so so it really is interesting and, and i guess watching the whole Thing, um you know back to back immediately fuels you with with that kind of rage or or, or or you know anger um obviously having read the you know the UK press and and having read quite a few articles about it um you know listen to to what everyone else has to say about it uh, you you definitely can see uh, all of the all the questions uh, you know as to why did he release this does this form part of of uh, a pre-game day strategy certainly on the second side um you know how does the second how does the second referee react after seeing all of this um are, are they are they trying to be you know even even more fair towards the spring box uh there's a risk element there too uh, is the referee gonna gonna actually maybe pay more scrutiny to the spring box and be more more punished you know punish them heavy, heavier uh when, when things do go wrong so there's definitely that, that whole question about strategy, um, and, uh, and, and like you say, the, it's not always just, just the one side of it. Um, and, and that's where this whole JJ uh, thing comes into, into, the, into the picture. So there's this guy by the name of Yaku Yohan, and uh, the, the Vimeo account that it landed up on, Barry, uh, was, was JJ. And there's a, a Twitter page as well that Russi has been tweeting. Um, that that is that is JJ Yako Yohan. and it's this mystery person who is in the in the camp, um, and you know seems to seems to tweet out these kind of controversial things. Um, is, is, it, is it a genuine person or is this kind of just an account that, uh, you know, Russi and uh, ninaba use um, to say some things they wouldn't like to directly out there say themselves? And so there's, there's definitely the politics about it. Uh, I, I completely understand that, that element. Um, but, you know, you, you can't watch a video like this and, and not wonder, um, you know, what happened here. Ultimately, what happened here, and why there haven't been any public responses from World Rugby, uh, kind of addressing each of these particulars, uh, if if it is if it is the case, Barry, that it's you know it's not as bad as uh, as he is saying it is, and uh, you know some of these decisions could have gone either way, then surely a, a response, a, a public response on, on a matter that is public from World Rugby, uh, you know, could be could be expected. Or am I being you know am I expecting a bit too much?
1: Yeah, Chad, World Rugby can't do that because the moment they, they kind of play into this game, they're setting the precedent that any time yep. you're unhappy with a decision, all you have to do is go on social media and rant about it, right? So World Rugby, in, in their position, they, 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 can't, they can't respond because they can't condone this sort of behavior. You have to understand what a big deal it is for the World sure. Cup winning coach to get on, whether it was leaked on purpose or by mistake or whatever, to get on video and rip into like world-class referees for an yep. hour. That is a bad look on World Rugby and on those referees themselves. And the moment World Rugby put out their side of the story, then all they're doing is encouraging for every series going forward, any time a coach is unhappy with a loss or it feels like things have gone against them, they're just going to put that video out and, and point towards various clips. So I think the big issue here is that it needs to go through the right channels. And with all due respect to Rusty, I don't, whether it was on purpose or not, this should never have come out in the public. This mm. should have been a conversation between Saru and World Rugby behind the scenes because that's a much more tactful and better way to do it. You don't want to see the world champions kind of getting on social media. It almost felt like a YouTuber exposed video, chat. You know when people expose each other for drama and for clicks yeah. and stuff. That's almost what it felt like. And you don't want that happening from, from, from a big sport like this, especially when you're talking about the world champions. You're not talking about some random side. You're talking about the world champions and the World World Cup winning coach. And so I don't like to see these sorts of videos, and I totally understand why World Rugby, I don't think they should, they should respond in this sort of way. Maybe like a press statement, uh, talking about what sure. they're going to do going forward. Okay. And I think they're going to discipline them in some way. I think I think there's something there. But I, I don't think we're going to see a detailed breakdown of every single thing Rossi brought up. Um, just because it would set the wrong precedent. And I, I don't want to see that personally. Yep. Like, I, I, I don't want to see sport devolve into that sort of drama. I, I, I fully understand that we need to look at these things and investigate them and whatnot, but that's what these rugby boards, that's their job, is to go behind the scenes and, and make sure this is going the right way and maybe russie felt that nothing was happening and that's why he felt like he needed some social pressure and, and and that's his decision but for me Chad, i i don't like to see this stuff aired in in public because it kind of it sours the series a little bit don't you think
0: yeah yeah I, I i get that and uh, and you're not alone with that for you barry uh i mean there's been absolute backlash uh, about the video being released and and you're completely right world rugby are taking sort of disciplinary reaction here um and exactly what you said um you know kind of harking on about the the channels that should be used uh to, to raise feedback um so, so yeah, people are divided. Um, you know, a lot of people feel like the integrity of the game, um, you know, is, is held in this kind of lack of of public discourse um, over referees. Uh, so, so your your sort of view, um, where you know, it's, it's better it's better not to debate these kind of things. Just you know, just let the let the decisions you know run by and let the results stand. Um, but but then you get me who who, who kind of has the view that um, you know. Without sort of accountability from from these refs and these these terrible decisions, um, you know whether whether we win or lose the series, I think that's completely ir- irrelevant. Um, I I feel if, that if, if if someone is not looking at this from a kind of public uh, point of view and uh, you know these refs don't have any, they don't have to be accountable because you know they're just kind of you know running running their uh, their entities themselves and you know it's it's this kind of boys club and they can just you know do what do what they need. I feel like the the integrity of the sport is also at jeopardy um, because you know you potentially have, have very easy situations for for games to be sort of fixed or, or, or swayed the wrong way. So I see both sides of it. Um, what one other element I wanted to, to to quickly talk on, Barry, in terms of the specifics of what he was discussing, um, is is just the, is, is the lack of respect that the the Springboks received from uh, from the referees, and he he played two particular clips um, that I actually found quite hard to watch, to be honest, um, you know, especially especially with the backdrop of, of the year, the, the year and a half we've, we've had, um, where, you know, a. Goes up, obviously the captain Sia goes up and, and tries to to bring very valid points up to to the referee, and he kind of gets laughed at. Um, where you where you have then uh, you know Al- Alwyn Jones going up and he, he's taken very seriously and uh, you know he, he's listened to uh, quite quite carefully, and I do think those things are are, are quite worrying to see. Um, you know especially in a game that, that that should be about about the sport ultimately.
1: Yeah, so I haven't seen that specific clip, so it's for me to talk on that. But if if that is the case, those are the sorts of things that do need to be looked into. Um, and I think your point about accountability is right. We do need accountability on these referees and on the way that these the sport is managed and maintained and kind of um, o- overseen. But I just don't want that accountability to be social media accountability. Sure. I want yep. it to be to, to World Rugby itself, to the various rugby unions. And I, I do think there are grading situations and they do kind of look back on these games and kind of rank referees and kind of make sure they they are hopefully keeping to some sort of standard that they want to set as as World Rugby. So if there are conspiracies behind the scenes are more nefarious than that, then then definitely we need to dig in. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's a little bit heavy handed. Of course there's so much emotion here, but after sure. one game yeah. to, to kind of to, to to throw the whole game into dispute because you think that there's been a, yep. a lot of bias. I think there needs to be more systemic stuff in order for us to really start to pull the strings on this and kind of try and pull it apart. I think to be honest Chad a lot of this is because the rugby media have been starved for stories for a year and a half sure. <laughs> and it, it, it's so exciting to have stuff happening yep. again and it's so exciting it's such, such a physical game I mean this series has been the most physical rugby series I've seen in a long time yep. and the guys are getting stuck in and of course there's going to be lots of, lots of drama there um, so yeah I think there are two sides to the story I don't, I don't think there's a right and a wrong and people are trying to figure out where they stand of course the two the two sides of the pond have very different opinions of course <laughs> um, but yeah I'm looking forward to the last game and we'll see what happens in that that one, Chatter. If if we if we see the same sort of stuff, then maybe there's chance to worry. Um, but hopefully, it might be rectified. We'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, and even though the the two sides of the pond have uh, differing uh, sort of opinions on this, I, I'm sure you'd be pleased uh, that that I feel the way I do about your side of the <laughs> pond. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of backing the boys uh, f- f- from that point of view. So yeah, there's no doubt. I, I was go for it
1: I was very happy to see you in the Springbok shirt on Instagram <laughs> chat I was very happy to see that you haven't gone full Pomeo oh no. just yet
0: <laughs> oh no definitely <laughs> not uh, Borka Borka Tala us um, <laughs> let's, let's move on then uh, from, from the rugby uh, in, into kind of things that you find a lot more interesting uh, in, into the world of tech, tech uh, and uh, yeah China
1: Chad, it has been a huge week for China, and I don't even know how to tackle this topic because China is one of those places where no one actually knows what's going on. We all like to think that we've got an idea of like what's going on behind that great firewall, but in truth, unless you're actually there in China and you understand some of the politics that's going on, it's very un- difficult to understand what's what's cracking. But over the last couple of weeks, Chad, we've seen a couple of huge bombshells being dropped by Xi Jinping, the president and the, the Chinese Communist Party, re- relating around regulation around tech, around businesses and around like where the company is not the company, the country is moving forward. And all of this you must understand is under the backdrop of next year is a big year for China. They're going through what is a once in a decade power transition. I love those, those, that wording because it's not a democratic election, chair. We're not electing anybody. It's the same party that's going to be in charge, but it's a power transition. So some of the cabinets are going to be reshuffled and potentially the president and whatnot. So it's kind of a big moment for, for an authoritarian country like China because they're trying to hold control of this country, um, even as the rest of the world goes democratic. So we have to keep all of that in mind as the backdrop for some of these decisions. But let me just read some of the things that happened in the last week, Chad. The first thing, the Chinese government forced an app called Didi off of all of the app platforms. And Didi is a huge ride sharing app competing with Uber and Lyft and okay. all of those guys. Absolutely massive valuation. And almost overnight, they were forced off all the app stores. Killing the business with thousands of employees, tons and tons of revenue just off because they didn't meet some sort of regulation or some sort of internal thing, right? And that's across the world. It's not just in China, but wow. they're a Chinese company, so they're struck. The next thing, which is huge, <clears throat> is that Xi Jinping has been worried about private education being hijacked by capital. That's Those are his words. And the idea is that he doesn't want private tutors and external education companies to be taking the roles of the teachers and kind of the public school teachers and, and educators. And so what he did was he basically said overnight, well not him, his his party, overnight said that all tutoring companies must become nonprofits overnight. So you're not allowed to make profits, wow. any for profit education company has to kind of disappear. That Chad wiped a trillion dollars off the stock market, because education companies' share prices went down by like 90 to 95 percent. There was one story of a billionaire who was running an education company who lost 68 billion dollars worth of paper wealth in a few hours because of this. Wow absolutely crazy another thing that happened was that he announced a um, new kind of regulation for anyone wanting to IPO in China or internationally so if you're a Chinese company and you want to IPO on the New York Stock Exchange you have to go through a round of cybersecurity reviews to check that you are not kind of cooperating with the US or anything that's to do with national security. So if you're a Chinese company, you want to go and list in in Europe or in the US, or wherever it is, you have to go through all of these checks to make sure that the cybersecurity is is in top notch shape. And in my mind, Chad, what that means is that they're going to put bugs into your code so they can watch what you're doing all the time. That's kind of what that says to me, have that sort of surveillance. We could go on and on and on and on. But it's it's an example of, of China's government getting even more strong-handed and kind of strangling a lot of entrepreneurship and tech developments and and just basic businesses in their country because of worries about national security and about national prosperity. So China's growth has been slowing for the last couple of years now, and they're starting to worry about the the age crisis they have, where there were too many old people and not enough young people coming into the workforce, as kind of a a, a result of the one the one-child policy for so many years, yep. and they've got this progressive kind of authoritarianism, they're trying to hold on to the control of the country and kind of quell the discontent they're seeing in the middle class. But what it's going to do, Chad, like you said, we've seen a million, a trillion dollars swipe off the stock market, yeah. people losing jobs, money, absolutely crazy changes overnight. Imagine you've built an education company over the last 12 years, you've poured your life and soul into this thing, and all of a sudden your government says, cool, you must be non-profit from tomorrow it's just absolutely insane Chad, and i don't know how to think about it do you have any thoughts
0: well that's uh, that, that is that is really crazy um you know a trillion dollars how can you comp- comprehend that amount of money um b- but it's understandable uh, you know based on based on all of those measures that have been have been implemented um you know and like you say with with what everyone knows about china already and well even though that is not much um there there always is that that kind of element of risk there uh but when you get some of these intentions kind of clarified uh it almost you know for f- for a lot of people it almost confirms uh you know some 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 kind of what is the word i'm looking for uh you know potentially there's some contingencies there that they've put in place um that are not coming true uh because of all of these measures but you know no one would have foreseen an education app you know you could you couldn't have a contingency in place for that barry and uh you know i i, I just can't believe that what, what what is education without private education and tuition and, and apps such a great way of learning um you know and and if you now don't have uh you know people able to actually Make money from that. Ultimately, you're not going to have uh, people producing those kind of apps, and you, you, rel- your, your education system is going to suffer at the end of the day. Um, so, so why China would do that, you know, I, I really don't know. Especially when you think of some of these education apps, Barry, and a lot of them are like to learn coding as well. Tons of of, of apps uh, to to learn coding, and we obviously know how uh, ahead China is in the tech space. Um, you know, this this kind of move, especially when you when you've got that aging population and and not an Uh, youngsters you you want to you want to boost up the youngsters you do have uh, to be able to to lay the groundwork for for the future so I'm I'm shocked about this as well Um, but but it does also I suppose talk to being able to control the material that is used um, you know in in the education system and and ultimately if if you don't have those private players uh, you're you're much easily um, you know more able to to control what what you know what is taught uh, in, in in the public education system so I think it's very concerning as well, um, and uh, yeah, it, I mean the stock markets is, is, is temporary, you'd say, um, but but I I hope that the the, the lasting effects um, you know aren't aren't as bad as they could be.
1: Yeah Chad It's going to be tough To see what happens In the next couple of decades Because I think This is this is modern communism At work this, That's all it is This is pure nationalism hmm. It's this idea That we want to control everything We want to control everything From birth to death If you if you live in China If you work in China You start a company in China If you're not on the good books Of of, of the big party And you're not kind of Contributing to the, the, the Communal world, wealth And communal prosperity We're just going to We're going to regulate you I mean we, we, we saw What they did to Jack Ma Where they put him A house arrest for weeks and kind of made him disappear from the yep. world because he wasn't meeting certain central bank regulations. It's, it's it's really scary to see. And I think that in a few hundred years' time, we're going to look back on this this part of China's history as, as some serious human rights concerns and, and issues because what you're doing is you're fully constraining the freedom of the people inside your country. And um, I think it's, it, it's confusing and it's difficult to deal with because they are such an economic powerhouse. It's very easy to look at, let's say, North Korea, for example, and say, "Cool, that's evil." We all agree that's a horrible thing to do, and that kind of control is just not on, and we're just we're happy. Only reason we haven't got in there is because it got nukes, right? But when it comes to China, they control the global economy, they control the global supply chain, they have incredible economic, political, and military power. How do you kind of? do anything there. How, how how can the democratic way or the Western world have any influence on anything that's happening in China? Yeah. And that's what makes this scary, is that the power that they hold as a country and as an economic powerhouse is, is huge. But like you said, the incentives here are just bad all-round for Chinese Mm. citizens you're gonna have no foreign if you're a foreign investor there's no way you can invest in China now because your investment could disappear overnight by something that's outside of your control it's almost like the same political risk that you might apply to an African investment you now have to apply that a similar political risk to anything investing in China and that was kind of the growth capital of the world for good 10 15 20 years that's where the returns were that's where the yields were and so now you're gonna see all that capital Flying out of the country you're gonna see talented tech entrepreneurs leaving China because why would you build a company there they're gonna to go to the US and to Europe and around the world and yeah it's just oh, Chad I, I'm passionate about this stuff because I don't understand why I don't get it um, I think that it's hard how it's hard to know what to do with it or what to do with the information I don't know what else to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, it, it is it is such a web, uh, to be honest, especially when you when you are navigating the web with so many unknowns. Um, you know that's that's the, the hardest thing. Uh, some other concerns I see, Barry, from uh, from Tencent. Uh, you know, one one of the shareholders uh, would obviously have a big effect in the in the South African kind of stock markets too. Uh, but there's there's concerns there that uh, you know curbs on on kind of gaming time. Um, you know, so actual restrictions on on how long uh you know people can spend on their phones playing games. Um I mean that's obviously really, really damaging as well for, for all of the gaming markets uh, that are, you know, in, in a good place at the moment. Huge,
1: Chad. I didn't even touch that, but gaming's a huge yeah. one because China, the, the the party has kind of realized that a lot of productivity is being lost or, or they, they perceive a lot of productivity being lost or kind of addictions happening through these games and whatnot, and they want to do what's best, what's the best for their people in their minds. And so, like you say, they're going to start pulling these regulations in. And it had a huge effect on gaming sh- yeah. gaming shares. Um, Tencent, are, are one, one of their major owners is, is NASPers here in South Africa, yeah. and so they had a huge dip in our stock market, took the whole thing because what big Naspa's is, yeah. um, and so these things have huge implications, Chad. And the fact that they can just kill uh, in- industries, just just so much kill industry, bang, 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 just reminds you how much control this party actually has. And if you're not in their good books. If you're not like, if you're not with them, if you're not working with them from from start till finish, your company's just not going to have a chance to succeed. And I don't, under, I don't know how they're going to reconcile that. If you're a young engineer, a talented engineer in China right now, you've got to be thinking of moving somewhere else because mm-hmm. you have no idea what you'll be able to do. Because two years down the line, you've invested your whole life into something and it disappears overnight. Um, and so, yeah, Chad, it's really scary. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll have to wait and see how things unfold. Um, but lots of food for thought, that's
0: for sure. Well, well, we'll certainly certainly monitor it. I mean, like you say, Barry, the fact that no one can really do anything about it to, to get involved. Um, you know, the fact that you mentioned us looking back in, in 10 years' time um, and, and looking at this from a different angle, from like a human rights sort of angle, um, it's, it's, just, it's just troubling because we're, we're there now. And and there's not much anyone can do about it, um, and that and that's that's the hardest thing about this. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll certainly keep monitoring that. But like you say, probably a while um, before we have any more on that. Let's then move on to our next segment. Stuff I found interesting. We've been talking a whole lot about space barry I mean, these people who listen to our podcast must think we are <laughs> obsessed.
1: Well, I am, Chad. I don't know about you, but I'm obsessed with space. So that makes one of us.
0: Well, yeah, one of us. Uh, I mean, I, I'm interested in it because you're interested in it, Barry. But I, I had to bring this one up today uh, just because we've been talking about it so much and because the space race is happening in front of our eyes. Um, and, and because you mentioned the the kind of threshold of space, does it count? Are you, are you there? Um, <laughs> the FAA have now revised their requirements of uh, being able to call yourself an astronaut astronaut and and obviously the timing of this couldn't be more perfect Barry so they've they've uh, clarified the current requirement which is that you need to travel beyond 50 statute miles above the surface of the earth as a flight crew on an FAA or AST licensed or permitted launch or reentry entry vehicle um, which you could say Branson you know met both of those tests but the second test which I, th- I think is I think is a new test or you know maybe it's also clarified is that you need to demonstrate activities during your flight that were essential to public safety or contribute to human space flight safety. Um, And so yeah, basically uh the the just having sort of all of this all of this cash and resources and and being able to propel yourself into the boundaries of space doesn't make you an astronaut. um, which which I thought quite funny.
1: Chad, I like this a lot. I really do because I, I have such respect for the real astronauts who've like yep. been like pioneering sure. this for so long and, and all that. And I would hate to see the word being cheapened. Like a lot of us, when when we're young, Chad, one of those those common things is I want to grow up to be an astronaut. It's very aspirational. It's very kind of only the top of the top, and a very select group of people get to have that 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 title. And I would hate, like you say, to have all these billionaires become astronauts because they've paid 250k to go up in one of Branson's <laughs> space planes. Right? right so I'm I love this I think that it's awesome I think that astronauts should be kept as a very sacred term for those who are genuinely changing the space world kind of actually doing the work and if you go up there as a passenger that's that's what you were Chad you were a passenger you weren't an astronaut you just (laughs) went on a trip to space and whether you were in space or out of space or you saw into space or however far up you were it doesn't matter because you're not an astronaut until you actually do something of value
0: Chad Exactly. And it's a, the months of training um, that, that you see the astronauts going through, um, all leading up to that one moment. Um, and, you know, it, it's all on the line. Uh, whereas, like you say, these are just passengers who, who ultimately walk into a vessel uh, that goes wherever it goes, it comes back. Uh, no sort of training uh, and and specific sort of contribution necessary um, so so I kind of I like that I like that the the FAA are, are bringing people back down to earth um, <laughs> <laughs> excuse the pun. Um, Barry the next thing that I found interesting this week uh, is is to do well, I think it's two weeks ago now is to do with the Olympics uh, obviously we spoke about it in anticipation and uh, we're very excited to be able to watch all, all sorts of different sports happen um, you know I've been enjoying it but I, I certainly haven't watched as much as I thought I would be able to um, and that is purely down to the fact that uh, you know I'm I'm now a working uh, individual. I, I'm I'm not in the the good old days of, of being a student, yeah. um, <laughs> able to spend hours in front of the TV watching. Uh, especially the time difference as well, Barry. Uh, how have you been finding it? Have you been able to watch a couple of uh, a couple of different sports?
1: I'm in the same position as you Chad I also mm. thought I'd watch a lot more But its I've been working so hard It's been tough to find the time I've kind of been using my DSTV To record bits and pieces okay. And I've tried to catch the South Africans When they've been in action But like you say With the time zone changes And the fact that we actually have to pay bills yeah. uh, It's a bit tough to, to sit yeah. on the couch And watch for hours at a time Unfortunately um, And also be, uh, for some reason Chad Without the crowds And then without the stadiums yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't feel the same You know, It doesn't really feel like There's those epic moments Even when something amazing is happening so i watched the high jump final and really enjoyed that but there wasn't the crowds doing the slow clapping and any of that so it kind of lost a little bit of its sparkle um so yeah unfortunately a weird olympics but it's been a weird year so what do you expect right
0: absolutely Uh, if anything uh, i think we can just be grateful that it's going ahead and for all those athletes who have spent you know years getting ready for this uh you know i'm sure it's not uh, you know a lesser of an olympics for them um so yeah great to watch that in any case but what i wanted to bring uh, up today uh, which i thought quite funny is is i, I came across this clip now i don't know if you've seen it barry um i have but uh, but a an australian uh swimming coach uh dean boxall uh who's the coach of Ariane Titmus, um, and you know the the actual race that that, that went on before this little clip happened uh, was incredible, and I I, I loved it, and uh, I kind of understand the reaction, but uh, this is hilarious. <laughs> Looks sort of like Doc Brown.
1: I mean. Going For those great. who are listening, he is losing <laughs> his oh, shit. <laughs> Dancing around, punching the like, air, what? just absolutely going mental. But the best part, Chad, is the poor little Japanese lady whose job it is to kind of make sure everyone stays in their yep. pens and yep. make sure they stay in there. And she looks powerless behind this, like, six-foot Australian man. What and she's do? desperately trying to calm him down, <laughs> trying to keep him in. But he's running around and punching the air. It's such a wonderful expression of just pure joy and, and kind of ecstasy, Chad, that, that his athlete did so well.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, an absolute crazy reaction. Um, I, I, I thought it was, you know, fascinating um, because ultimately, you know, in, in sports, you kind of always contain the, the excitement to a uh, level that, you know, you, you, you're decent, at least in public. Um, and, and Barry, you know, just going berserk and crazy as you described it. I mean, he was at one stage humping the, you, you, the actual, you know... <laughs> i don't know how to explain it um you know totally lost his mind (laughs) <laughs>
1: Only an Australian chat. I, I mean, uh, the the Australians are known for their eccentricity. They are very kind of expressive. If you ever watch an Australian TV show or like a news show, whatever, they they always having a good time. And so it's a typical Australian chat. But like you say, I am not sure how it was taken in Japan, which is yep. much more conservative. Yep. I don't think the J- Japanese would really love him humping all sorts of things in their in their aquatic center. Um, but chat, a nice moments of levity for all of us. And I think that if if that's if that if you if that's your coach and he's so excited For you, it must make you feel like a million. Oh, absolutely, surely.
0: absolutely. And and watching her reaction to to the videos as well, um, you, you you can see um, this was years of of hard training, and, and ultimately she she pulled through on the day, um, and at the very last minute managed to managed to win the race. So uh, so yeah, incredible, incredible. Um, Barry, the last thing I found interesting this week, just because we spoke about it so long ago, and we have to kind of touch back on on, on things rather than just throw it here and then forget about it forever. Um, is the is the EU digital tax? Initiative. I don't know if you remember us talking about that, Uh, and you know, EU eventually, I think after we spoke about it, got together and agreed, um, you know, certain rate of tax that all of these big tech companies were going to pay, and uh, and and basically. You know, since that was decided, uh, there's been a lot of com- countries kind of figuring out whether it's the right thing to do. Because um, <laughs> ultimately, uh, you know, these giants are just going to incorporate in different uh, in different jurisdictions. But obviously, uh, you know, this EU tax. Kind of uh, enforces itself where, where where the where the users are, are using it, so it doesn't really matter where you're incorporated um, at at the end of the day. But yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, you know regions around the world are kind of questioning whether this is or isn't the right decision. But regardless, um, I at one point in time, Barry, uh, placed an advert on on Google, and I got an email uh, two weeks ago basically saying that the, our ad rates are going up now because we effectively have to pay more tax. And so what they're doing is they're passing on that extra tax. um, And ultimately, I, I find it very interesting.
1: It's gonna hurt small businesses, Chad. Yeah. And it's one of those discussions we had right at the beginning was that it all sounds very good and regulation. We're cool, we're gonna try and fix this, we're gonna try and make sure that these companies don't get away with all of this. But the people actually you're gonna suffer are the small businesses who rely on this advertising in order to make things work. If you're running a low margin business, um those Google ad rates are your bread and butter. Like you're trying to make sure your cost of acquisition is lower than what your what your customer lifetime value is. And the moment your cost of acquisition goes up, even a tiny bit, Chad, it can throw your whole business into disarray. And so, like you say, I think now where the rubber that hits the road, and people start to realize, oh wait, all of those petitions that we signed, all of those yep. fights we had in the courts, all of that stuff actually has an economic consequence. It doesn't just go nowhere. And and these these big companies don't care. They'll pass it on. It, it doesn't matter to them. You're a drop in the bucket to them. Sure. But They'll pass it on. And if you're a little cupcake business and you really use Google Ads to reach people in your area, you're gonna you're gonna find this hurts mm-hmm. a bit. And so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens in the next couple of years and see if there's a fight back again this in the other direction, Chad. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, you could have predicted this. If you looked at what was going to happen, you could have predicted it. And again, the, the, the discussion around these big tech companies is so interesting because it's so multifaceted in every single direction.
0: Absolutely, and and the other thing, I guess, is is the fact that there isn't really any other competitor that, you know, l- the person with the cupcake business uh, has to go to, to advertise their products. Uh, you know, this is the way the world works now. You you have to advertise through Google or Facebook, um, and, uh, you know, basically extra taxes getting passed on to you, like you said, really can have a profound impact. So, uh, yeah, I thought let's just quickly touch on that uh, before we look ahead. Looking ahead. Barry, I wanted to uh, bring this one up uh, quickly and uh, hopefully it doesn't play any sound. Let's have a look quickly. So, I'm currently on a BBC uh, page, and effectively, what this is is a virtual reality game, if you'd like, that's been put together uh, that is an emulation of what people of color experience on day to day basis so obviously you know with the black Lives matter movement uh in the last year uh there there were a lot of people who who kind of who sympathize with it but but had never experienced uh, the, you know had never experienced this kind of racism and these subtle tones and all these kind of things uh in in real life and so what they've done is is put together a game that lets you put a set of a virtual reality headset on uh, and experience different, uh, you know, different situations, job interviews um, as a as a child on the on the, you know, in, in the in the playground, uh, you know, sitting there and, and kind of seeing how, how people interact with people differently. Um, and 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 so I, I think this is such a positive thing to be able to um, really show you. You know how, how what it's like ultimately if you've never been in this position, um, and so and, and obviously a very interesting use of tech, um, uh, you know to 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 have a, a really positive effect. I think so. As this is playing playing on Barry, I'd love to get some of your your thoughts on on this initiative.
1: I love this Chad, I really do, and I think it's one of the, the great opportunities with virtual reality. I remember reading an article a long time ago, I can't remember who wrote it, but the, the, the writer said that virtual reality is an empathy machine. Yep. That's kind of the opportunity here, is that you you have the opportunity to put yourself literally in somebody else's shoes and get to experience a little bit of their kind of environment and their kind of lifestyle and their their way of being. And I think that we struggle to do that in our own, in our own context. Like Chad, if we grow up as a, as a white person, we've got no idea how to relate to the experience of a, a person of color yep. an idea how to understand the challenges and you can talk into your blue in the face, but until you experience something, you don't really have a sense of what that does to your psychology, to your self-worth, to all of the things that matter when it comes to a human being. And so examples like this are a great way of taking a step towards that future, Chad, where hopefully we can start to maybe experience just a taste, just a little piece of this, which will hopefully help us to become more empathetic and help to understand what our fellow humans are going through. And so obviously the racism is a big conversation right now but i think there's lots of ways you can use vr in these sorts of aspects to show you different parts of the human experience and whether it's through storytelling whether it's through kind of fictional stuff whether it's through non-fiction training any of the stuff that comes through this is one example of where vr can be not just a game not just kind of a, a gimmick but something that can genuinely help us move forward as society and so i think it's awesome
0: yeah I completely agree um, I, I, I really really enjoyed uh, it, it coming across my feet just because of that that positive element of it um, and it only is a matter of time before VR becomes a normal thing Barry before each of us have headsets in our homes before they you know not so expensive um, just like 4K TVs have, have normalized and many other things in, 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 in the past um, and you know the, the more of us uh, who, can, who can strap these on and go through this experience I know books were able to do a similar thing for a lot of people um, during the movement um, but but you know i i think because of how real uh, vr is uh, and and you know that goes right down to to its uh to its title um you know i think we, i think it can only bring about positive change uh, and, and so i think that that's a really really good thing um the other thing i wanted to chat about in looking ahead this week barry um to, to quickly switch back to uh to the big tech companies is is YouTube, and we spoke about their subscription model a couple of times now, and uh, and just how expensive it is um, to, to simply if if you want to just either get rid of ads or you want to be able to download videos onto your device, which you used to be able to do for free, um, you now have to pay this this big subscription that now you know quite awkwardly lumps in Google Music. Uh, sorry, yeah, is it Google mu- YouTube Music? YouTube Music. YouTube
1: music. Yeah,
0: And obviously, you know, Spotify and Apple Music have been around for some time and and the majority of people already have those offerings. So if it was free, if you could say YouTube Music was free, I'm sure a lot of people would would give it a try. Um, But to to bundle it in and to beef up that subscription price in in a kind of, you know, one or nothing type scenario... um, you know, I have certainly felt quite salty when I, when I did have YouTube Premium for a couple of months. Um, and and it's, it's at the stage where you know, now I, I'm okay with just watching the ads. Um, so, so what YouTube are, are now trialing is Premium Lite. Uh, and that would effectively let you, you get all the benefits of, of the, the YouTube part of it. So where you, you don't have to watch ads and you're able to download videos, all of that kind of thing. And you don't have to, have to, Uh, get YouTube music. What do you think?
1: Chad, I think it's brilliant, and I don't understand why YouTube Music is a thing. Completely. It really annoys me. <laughs> like, once, one every three times I open the app, I have to go yeah. through four different pop-ups to try and ignore the free trial to YouTube Music, and I don't understand wh- what are they trying to compete with. Like, if they were going to try and build an Apple Music or Spotify competitor, then build a separate app and make it a whole separate platform. Definitely. But this idea of trying to match the, the, the videos to the music and trying to make it all work together, it, it just it's just not a good interface. And it's yep. not a good way to listen to music I- I don't know, who are their customers, Chad? Who is actually enjoying YouTube music? I would love to meet one of you. So if you're listening to this and you're YouTube music fanatic, please let us know because I don't get it. And so this makes all the sense in the world, Chad. And this is something that I might consider paying for because it, it, if you can strip out all the fuss and just make sure I don't have to look at another ad of something I don't actually want, um, it would be really powerful and really valuable. Um, so yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me and I, I never want to see YouTube music again,
0: I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Nothing further to add on that, Barry. Let's then move on to our last segment. Develop and grow. Chad,
1: so as always, I've got a quote for you, and I've got a quote for everybody, and it's something that I came across in the last week or so, and I've been thinking about it a lot, and I think mm. it's really powerful. And it's, it's a framing I haven't heard in a long time maybe not in a long time, maybe not even forever. So I'm curious to get your thoughts, Chad. It's from an author called Ben Casnocha, and he's also a entrepreneur, though I can't remember what he's built, but he's built some companies, uh, but a much better writer, in my opinion, I've been following for a while. And the quote goes like this. Every opportunity is attached to a person. Opportunities do not float like clouds in the sky. They're attached to people. So if you're looking for an opportunity, including one that has a financial payoff, you're really looking for a person. And I love this framing, Chad, because so many of us, we, we can get a little bit salty with ourselves because we like, when is things going to turn around for me in my life? When am I going to find this magical like, golden ticket that's me dropped in my lap and all of a sudden I'm going to figure everything out? So whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, whether it's a, a business, whether it's something you're trying to achieve in your life, we've got this idea that pe- other people are luckier than us. Other people have these opportunities, have these have these kind of things that happen to them, and it feels serendipitous. It feels like luck. What this is kind of saying is that that's not actually the case. You can't just wait for opportunity to come out of the air, Chad. It's all about building relationships, building networks with people, because that's what happens in the real world, whether you like it or not. <laughs> people do business with people that they like. People will date people that they can get along with and that can build relationships with, and everything that good that comes out of the human experience, Chad, comes out of other people, right? It, it, it's all about building those relationships and that rapport. Um, and I just love this idea that opportunities are, are attached to these people. And so instead of trying to find that golden ticket, that opportunity that's gonna change your life, how about investing in your friend, investing in meeting a new person? Investing in getting out of your comfort zone and kind of going to a new event and trying to trying to strike up a conversation with somebody All of those things that, that can be difficult for us because we like to stay in our little bubble Especially as introverts. It's very difficult for us to do that if we actually were able to reach out and speak to people and and Realize that the opportunities and the luck and all of the stuff the, the good stuff is going to happen to us throughout our life Comes first from building those human relationships. I just think that's so cool
0: it is cool and it's it's a great quote uh, especially if you haven't sort of thought of the world like this and especially like you say if you if you have that perspective of luck or you know you think that it, it's all it's all in you it's all in you to get up early in the morning and uh you know read for however many hours of the day after doing a crazy you know gym session and ultimately you can do that until your face turns blue um but and still not get anywhere if if you've got the wrong attitude and if you you, you know don't have the right uh you know perspectives on certain things um and it's true it's true it's true and it's uh in in the core of this quote uh it's not about what you know barry it's about who you know um which is always the cliche but it it talks to the exact same thing um and and so from from that point of view I, i like the kind of the truth in it there's a point of it that i don't like though and that is kind of thinking of of people um sort of Thinking of people as opportunities in the way that you kind of use your network and you use people um, to to better yourself, um, and I really don't like that. I don't think that's the spirit of this quote. I really don't. Um, but you know, it's it's ultimately it's ultimately something to, to think about um, in in just the way that you conduct yourself as well. Is uh, you know respect that network and and be. Be a nice person. Ultimately, um, it, it, it's all it's all about that you know those actual intentions, and and people can feel when you when you are using them. Ultimately, um, and uh, you know, people people don't like people they don't like, but they really don't like uh, people that they think are, are using them. So, yeah, uh, you know, that that's just my kind of off the bat thoughts on that. But but I think it's a great quote.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up, Chad. I was I was gonna do the whole plot twist at the end with that that whole point. So thank okay. you for bringing that up. Um, it's 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 so important that that's the case. Like. Yeah. We're not saying that opportunities that, that people are opportunities. We're saying yeah. that opportunities are attached to people. Yes. And it's a very, very difficult, very, very, very clear distinction and very yeah. difficult to, to kind of make sure you don't blur the lines there. Because a lot of us will do that. A lot of us get, get caught in that trap of we want to be friends with this person because we want something from them. Or we yeah. we feel like we're going to deserve, we're going to get something because we've shown them some respect or whatever. And this is not how humanity works. And we all have these cases in our lives. We, we, we feel like, is this person actually my friend? Hmm. Or are they just using me for X, Y, or Z? Is this person actually interested in me? Or are they just trying to get to someone that I know? Yep. And th- that, that kind of stuff is feels so sour. It's, it's one of the worst parts of the human experience. And it's something you have to stay away at all costs. And so the message is very much build relationships because it's what life is about. Life is about building relationships and not expecting anything in return. Yeah. Um, but the beauty of that is the more you do that, the more genuinely you try and help people and you try and put yourself out there, you're going to come across opportunities in an ad hoc kind of way. And then you can take advantage of those. Um, but it's a very really important point. People are not opportunities, <laughs> but opportunities are attached to people
0: so true Barry so true and yeah that distinction is 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 the key um, but you know you, you can't deny like i said you can't deny the quote because it is is completely true um, and it's beautiful in a way it it, it is beautiful in, in in that you know everything that you potentially looking for is 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 all you need to do is go out be a nice person meet people um, and, and and ultimately you, you'll you'll naturally attract um, someone who who has that next opportunity for you um, but yeah it, it, it's beautiful I love the quote I think you had something else to add
1: yes yes so, so <laughs> you, you can trick trick my memory there is it's something that where, I, I was I was fun employed for a while after leaving R&B and a lot of friends were a bit confused as to what I was doing. I had a lot of questions yeah. about like, okay, so what do you do with your time? Like, how do you, what are you trying to do? And I've had a couple of friends who've done a similar journey trying to go a more creative route or trying to do something more, more kind of off the beaten path. Yep. And a lot of them would be like, okay, I've sat at home, I've read all these books, I've done the courses, but now what is happening? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, how do I take the next step? And my answer was always, you just gotta be talking to people. Like, you just gotta be be talking to people reaching out to people you haven't spoken to in a while like reaching out to people you admire and trying to get on a phone call with them and, and yeah. that sort of networking and that sort of hustling is so important because that's how you move forward you don't move forward sitting at home reading books right unfortunately you read for you move forward through action you move forward through actually getting out there and putting your name out there the best analogy in my mind is that if you want a dream job like one of those jobs that everyone is dying to to get they're not on job portals. Like,
0: like,
1: <laughs> yep. You have to get away from that idea that you're going to apply to all these jobs on the online job portals and those are going to be the best ones. It just doesn't work like that. The best jobs are not advertised because they're the best jobs because people are already using them <laughs> and whatever. And yep. the way you get those jobs is through knowing people and through building relationships and through networking and all of these things that, that feels icky to some people, but it's just how the world works. And you have to understand that. You cannot think that by applying to 20 jobs on the job portals, so you're going to find this magical perfect job because you're not. Yep. It's going to be a run-of-the-mill thing. Uh, there's a reason that recruiters exist, there's a reason that networking matters. Um, and I think it's a good analogy, not just for work, but for the rest of life relationships above everything else everything that is good from the human experience comes from relationships it doesn't come from money it doesn't come from cars yep. It doesn't come from any of that stuff it comes from relationships and so the more you can invest in that and the more you can focus on that as a, as a, a goal and objective and mm-hmm. a kind of something you're trying to work towards you're gonna be happier you're gonna be wealthier you're gonna be healthier all of the years Chad <laughs>
0: love it love it what a great way to to end uh, this episode just love it barry going back to the basics uh and uh, yeah time to focus on our relationships a bit more um which you know ultimately uh, it's, it's so core to, to making us who we are. We, we, we always talk about the, the five closest friends who kind of shape us um, and uh, yeah, ultimately, all of those relationships, uh, you know, as, as far as you can expand it. Obviously, there, there's a limit. There's a limit to how many people you can know uh, and remember and there's all sorts of apps at keeping track of people's names <laughs> and uh, facts about different people and conversations you've had and all that kind of thing and, and that's the icky bit that I don't like. Um, so, you know, try and keep it within your uh, your your actual maximum capacity ultimately um and uh, yeah and always just be genuine and a nice person great place to end uh, this epic episode of across the pond barry um no doubt we'll be back again uh next week maybe the week after who knows when we'll be back uh but it'll be a good episode whenever that is <laughs> <laughs>
1: demonstrate that's why you have to make sure you
0: are subscribed. if you're listening
1: yes. right now you have to make sure you're subscribed because then you'll get every single new episode hot off the press um i really enjoyed this one it really flowed nicely and then we covered a lot of a lot of difficult topics which is yeah. quite cool um and hopefully if you're listening or you're watching right now you got something of value from this um we always have fun and we hope you do too and as always if you got this far you are an absolute legend and we really appreciate you
0: Awesome. Well, that's all for us today. I will see you again next time.